Hello, and welcome to SoundingTheLight.com, the place where you can connect to real artists, real stories, real talk. Today we'll be hearing from Portland-based alternative Christian music artist Holly Ann about her latest release, Light and Bloom. My name is Tara Tucker. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to share this interview that I did with uh, Holly Ann earlier this week. She is a uh, singer-songwriter based in Portland, Oregon. And uh, man, I love her music. It's uh, it's really out of the box. And it's a beautiful record with a sound that is just different and arresting in its very wide openness. I love how she plays with the effects on her vocals and, uh, and the instruments that she uses. So it's it's a real treat to be able to share this today. But it's funny, you know, uh, she mentioned just before we started the interview that although she's been on the music scene for a while, this is actually her first speaking interview. And, uh, you know, that is one of the beauties of this podcast. Whether an artist or band is known locally or nationwide, whether they are fresh on the music scene or been around for a while We get to hear it all and really connect with their music and who they are. So I just wanted to take a minute and say thank you to you as a listener for being such a big part of making Sounding the Light work. It's because of you and the time that you take to listen to this podcast that allows these artists to be able to share their heart and their music and bless us. So I just want to say I appreciate you. So what we're about to hear right now is one of the songs off of Holly Ann's latest album, Light and Bloom. And uh, this one is called Better Than Gold. And then right after this song, we'll go straight into the interview.
Holly Ann, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I would like to ask you first, uh, where are you from? I was born in um, Fairview, Oregon, where I was raised. So it's like a tiny blip on the map. It's not quite a speed trap <laughs> town, but it's one that's quick access to the freeway. And it was actually the first house that I remember um, living in. It was in a really cute little Victorian neighborhood. Um, and all the houses were built like little, like brightly pastel colored, um, you know, with like the four post open porches and oh, there was so all awesome. these shop fronts that had houses on the top. So it was a really cute little community. How close is that to Portland? Um, well, back then it was probably a 10 minute drive now with how much Portland has grown and the fact that traffic is awful all the time, it's probably closer to a 20 minute drive. So what made you move to Portland? Yeah, I mean, I think I was always drawn to the just sort of quirky artistic culture that exists in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I remember just taking, that was just kind of the cool place to be for, um, during high school, once you got to the age that you could drive, you know, you mm-hmm. go into the city and sit at the docks or go to like Voodoo Donuts or, you oh, know, any of the random. Place. Is it good? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's not my favorite donut shop in Portland. <laughs> it so would what be is? the first that I recommend uh, Pit Donut. What is it? It's Pit, P I P. Okay. S. Yeah, it's, it's a really cute place off of um, Fremont Street and they make um, to order tiny little donuts. Oh. And they so they're warm when you get them, Ooh. and they have the most amazing flavors. The sea salt and honey <gasps> is my favorite. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now I've got to come to Portland just so I can try. It's those as donuts. good as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, did the rest of your family move with you, or is it just you? Uh, nope, just me. Um, I moved. Well, what happened? I moved. Um, the first move from my parents' house was actually to Florida where I recorded my first record. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spent several months there and then came back and moved in with some girlfriends um, still in kind of my hometown. And then after that lease was over, I decided to move into Portland. So I got a little studio apartment by myself. Okay. Wow. How was your first record out in Florida? What made you go all the way out to Florida to do your first record? Yeah. I know. It's kind of crazy. It was the (laughs) tiniest little town, again, (laughs) Lakeland, Florida. But uh, I ended up going out there because um, one of the most influential bands, um, kind of of my high school, early 2000s, was um, and that kind of indie rock scene was this band called Copeland. Uh Um, And I knew that the the main voice behind that band and the singer-songwriter, Aaron Marsh, he was also a producer. Nice. Um, So I kind of went out on a whim to see if he would be willing to record um, my first album, and he said that he would. That's so (laughs) So awesome. Yeah, it was was a really surreal experience. It was a one-way ticket to Florida and got settled in with my mom for a couple days and then (laughs) found a place that I could been walking distance to the studio and just devoted all of my time and energy into a record for a couple months. And is that the one called Ravens? It is, yes. Okay. How old were you when this happened? I was uh, 19. And was this the first time that you were seriously away from your family like that? Yeah, it was. How was that experience? Um, you know, I have only good memories about it. It's so funny that you say that, like it would be my first experience being away from my family, because I don't even remember 
feeling anxious about that at all. I was just, <laughs> well, then it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, I think I've always been a little bit fiercely independent. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was ready to be on my own, I think, and mm-hmm. just be in a totally new environment and not know anybody. And I mean, it really worked out perfectly, though, because Aaron and um, it was his girlfriend, Nikki, at the time, they got married um, that next year. But mm-hmm. they were the most amazing um, just hosts. They, they took every opportunity to take me around town to invite me out with friends and so by the time I was done recording the record I had a whole community there and I've been back several times visiting since then um, just to see everybody so well that is very cool yeah so has your family always been aware that music was going to be your life passion yeah I made it very apparent I think for them at a really (laughs) young age (laughs) (laughs) how young uh, well, the first, my first opportunity to really get out there with music, I was actually six years old. Wow. So pretty young. And I was obsessed with the movie Annie yeah. <laughs> and loved, uh-huh. and before, I mean, before that I was, you know, I would sing in the bathroom because I liked the acoustics of, you know, the echoes. And, <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're some of the best places. Yeah. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> um, Somebody should like record a whole album in a bathroom just to say I they know. could do it. <laughs> Yes, there are so many cool little techniques. Or in the, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've probably never tried this, but if you sing into a dryer, no, I have cool never tried that. There. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to. <laughs> That's uh, totally random, but um, but I so I was obsessed with Annie. The local high school ended up deciding to do the musical Annie for their fall production. Mm-hmm. And my sister, I have an older sister who was, I think she was fifth grade at the time. And so she had brought home a little slip of paper talking about how um, they were looking for elementary and middle school aged kids to play the orphan. Mm-hmm. And so I um, wanted to be Annie so badly and wanted to audition, but um, I was actually too young um, to audition. <laughs> and so, um, but I had my mom call to see if I would still be able to and so I got special permission to audition, but they kind of just told her, you know, it's your responsibility to let her down easy, you know, but we'll let her <laughs> right. have this experience. Um, and they ended up casting me as Annie. <laughs> wow. You must have been rocking Annie. <laughs> just so. And I'm a curly redhead for those who have not seen my picture. <laughs> so you were so. total natural. You were made for the part. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> what awesome beginnings. So. That was, I mean, just like talk about head first into the water experience no for my kidding. parents because it was rehearsals every day, memorizing lines when I could barely read <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, everything that goes with that. So they had a pretty good indication mm-hmm. at that point, I think, that it was going to be a for life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Did you take any music lessons as you were growing up? Yeah, I did. And actually, I'd started in piano with a local neighbor girl um, even before Annie. I was, I think it was my kindergarten year. I was probably five when I had started. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my first opportunity to actually get into lessons. But I didn't start voice lessons until later because it's actually not recommended with just a growing voice. Right, yes. Um, to put too much strain on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to. <laughs> so <No. laughs> the the piano teacher that I had... Um, taught voice lessons as well and she taught my sister so as I got older we slowly started incorporating um, voice lessons into piano lessons. I know a lot of times you know kids are sort of begrudging and gritting their teeth with taking any kind of music lessons. Were you ever like that or did you just love it? 
You know, I always just loved it. I had my moments, though. I, I remember a stint where I had a teacher that um, I just wasn't stoked on. <laughs> but um, kind of funny enough, when I look back and um, think about just the progression of my musical skills, that was a time where I felt like I grew the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking back now, I definitely see the value of that. But that would be the only time that I remember just one specific teacher that I really wasn't into it. But once I got connected with the right um, voice and piano coach, I was all in. So are your parents musical too? My dad is musical. My mom is totally not. <laughs> but what's amazing is that all she wanted were two musical kiddos. Oh, well, she and, got them. And she was like prayed for that. Yeah. And so it's really cool that that worked out. But yeah, that's always been something that we've shared with our dad. Um, he is just one of those people that can like play any instrument, mm-hmm. pick it up, play any song by ear. He always just kind of indoctrinated us with all of the classic hits. <laughs> We'd have nights where no TVs allowed and you just listen to music. Oh, I love it. That is great. That is great. And what cool memories too. I know. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome that we had such a musical household. I'm excited to to have that kind of atmosphere for my kids because it, I mean, it really does so much, even just listening to music on a regular basis. Oh, yes. It completely gives you such a love and appreciation for it. So you, you were talking about listening to all of the classics. So who are your musical influences because I would like to know where where your style of music comes from. And I know that your own style is gonna come out and make its mark, but what totally. you know, like what were you listening to as you were getting older? Yeah. So um gosh, well I mean I still love and I'm totally influenced by the stuff that my dad played me and he was really he kinda had two sides of this kind of like the pop rock mm-hmm. like, you know, the cars, the scorpions, cheap trick and you know, um, just everything that you would think of for classic rock. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really loved and what we spent so much time listening to was stuff like Crosby, Stills, Nash, um, listening to the Allman Brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Emmy Lou Harris has always been just a favorite of mine. I mean, and that was a huge influence. The album Wrecking Ball, um, which was a record that my dad had that he played a lot and we would sing to. Um, that was a huge influence on this hmm. record. I just um, so Daniel Anwar, um, he's a producer of that record. I love stuff that he puts out. So like U two records, that was stuff we listened to, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of the foundational start of um, my love for music. Uh, but I guess my most recent influences, um, my husband, and so kind of funny but he's a musician as well and he is um his band that he was in was a really intense like post-hardcore band Mm -hmm. like you know the like heavy yelling kind (laughs) (laughs) the kind that like classically trained music people shouldn't be doing because you're gonna like break your voice (laughs) totally so i was super into that kind of music Mm -hmm. um in middle school and early high school, which kind of for me morphed into getting into more um, experimental rock. So I love, I mean, I still love Radiohead. I love um, The War on Drugs. Their new record is so good. Um, Bonnie Bear is one that's just like the instrumentation, um, but the warmth of the production and just the amazing lyrical content and mm-hmm. sort of focus around those vocal melodies and um, mm-hmm. that's something that's really always drawn me to music like that um and then i mean any amazing 
woman I can think of. <laughs> I've, there's there's really hardly ever a, a female musician that I'm not like totally into. I love Sharon Von Etten. I love Fife. I love mm-hmm. Fiona Apple. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, who else? The Cocteau Twins. Going back to that kind of like earlier like '90s sound. Uh-huh. The Cardigans, the Sundays I love. Yeah, I know. I could list everything all day. Really, obviously, I'm drawing from a lot of places. But um, <laughs> <laughs> anything that touches me, I think, lyrically and then yeah. has the, the band and the sound to go with it is going to be a home run. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your music style. Yeah. Um, I noticed that on this latest album, you've got a lot of songs that have this really nice wash Mm -hmm. on your vocals and instruments, which um, I think totally lends to a uh, just a very minimalist kind of music that you have because it's not like a bunch of, you know, layers. I mean, you've got some songs that have, you know, a lot of instrumentation going on, but most of them are just really open and that kind of wash really fits in that kind of music because it doesn't feel muddy at that point because you don't have a lot of stuff, you know, that's going to muddy it all up. It's just, man, and then it just really makes your vocals pop, which is great. Yeah, I love that. I love that, um, you know, when you listen to a song where you're able to just like key in to like to a part that's going on, you know? And so the instrumentation isn't, you know, like you said, like there's not that muddiness that you're like, it's just a wall of sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, some, but there's something still, there's still enough happening that it mm-hmm. draws, like there's a tension, you know, like yes. I think of um, like one of the more open songs on Light and Bloom is um, River's End, uh-huh. which is one of my favorites. And you just listen to that song and it's like not really clear what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it makes you want to tune into the instrumentation, but yet it just like kind of holds you in this place where you're like, what's happening? What's coming? You know? And uh-huh. I, I love that about a song. I mean, that's what you want is if you're, if you're an artist or musician that cares about what you're putting out there lyrically, you know, your music, the instrumentation has to lend itself to, to really bring the listeners into that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I I would really like to share River's End. Would you say that was one of your favorites or do you have another favorite? You know, I do love that song a lot. I love to play that song live and it's Mm -hmm. one that I definitely connect with every time that I sing it. Well, I would like to play that one then for listeners today, if you're okay sure. with that. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Um, would you talk about that one a little bit, uh, you know, where the subject matter came from? Yeah. When I wrote Light and Bloom, and I wrote it all in such a short amount of time, it really became, um, I don't know, I just realized that so much of what I was writing about were these kind of frustrations and tensions within doubt and faith that I just feel like are just this cyclical you know, I don't know, this, the things, the root of sin that we just deal with on a regular basis. And one of those things that I realized is just this, like, inadvertent ability to forget God altogether mm-hmm. and to just um, go about your day and your life in a way that just has nothing to do with what you say that your core internal values and beliefs are. Um, and I mean, that's so sad when you think about Jesus as a, you know, a very alive mm-hmm. presence and somebody that I've completely um, given my life to and shaped my life around. So River's End is kind of just like that sort of beat up end of the road feeling 
um, put into song, I guess, about just kind of like withering in a place of not recognizing God for who he is and not letting him speak into um, your life and really being okay with and even um, indignant towards what he's asking you to do and Mm. just kind of like that repetitive sin cycle that you don't even want to change, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the heavy theme of the song. Mm. Um, But ultimately it does come around to um, the ending bridge where it is like a recognition that um, that's why we have Jesus because we need him (laughs) because we are weary, weak, broken people that, um, you know, we need someone who can just lavish us in grace and bring us back to a place of repentance out of love. I keep you in the corner of my mind where I can find you In the dark, in the bleak, in the real sad time
love that one. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you playing piano? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's really beautiful. Thank you. Let's talk about this whole album, uh, just you yeah. know, as a as a whole project for a few minutes. Um, so you did Ravens in Florida, but you did you do Light and Bloom here in? I mean, where you're at there in Portland? Yeah, I did. I mean, that's kind of a different. I mean, yeah, that's the difference from five years. And not that I would have had it any other way, because I love the people that I worked with. But it definitely wasn't a record that I could stop life and get away to record. Yeah, um, you uh, you connected with Deeper Well, um, the, mm-hmm. the record label, is that right? And I actually yeah. interviewed someone uh, from Deeper Well. In fact, he's kind of the, the head of it, is that right? Yeah. Uh, Josh yeah, White. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. I interviewed him a couple years ago. <laughs> totally loved talking to him. Such a such an yeah. interesting um, and uh, just a full of heart kind of guy. Um, totally. He's so in love with Jesus, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. um, so how did you get connected to... Um, deeper well and and how did that whole thing come together yeah well when I moved to Portland um, and I was looking for a new church um, I stumbled across a church called Door of Hope Um, and so the first time that I went and moved kind of in um, the summer in Portland and they had this series called Church in the Park where they were meeting um, at a park that was down the street from where Hmm. I ended up getting an apartment awesome um yeah, so uh, it was an amazing experience, and I I grew up with um, definitely an indication of faith, and I had spent the last several years of my life leading up to this um, plugged into churches, mm-hmm. but Door of Hope was really the first place that I was like, okay, this is serious, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just felt, I, I just found this deep spirit-filled connection with Jesus and also like really just rich biblical teaching as Mm -hmm. well. And so Josh is the lead pastor of that church, Josh White. Um, And so anyways, every time that I get connected with a church, my first inclination is always, who's the worship pastor? How do I get involved? And so I got connected with um, with the worship team um, through Evan Way. He's the worship and arts pastor who, who he's the one who um, actually works um, most closely with Deeper Well. Okay. Um, so this is before Deeper Well, and I kind of got to be part of seeing it come to fruition after Josh White. He had finished his um, he had finished his recording contract with DEC mm-hmm. and wanted to continue putting out music. He's you probably heard from mm-hmm. your interview with him how prolific his yes. <laughs> writing and his yes. catalog is. So he just you know he wanted another means. Um, to put out music, but not only his own music, because Door of Hope had just ended up being such a unique and um, really, like, highly populated with amazing musicians. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of the foundation of Deeper Well, is putting out music that would be, you know, just gospel-centric and really just explore, um, you know, Christian themes in a unique way that maybe was filling in filling a niche that really hadn't um, been in the Christian market. It's kind of this like indie folk, whatever mm-hmm. um, area. Um, so the first uh, record that I got involved in with Deeper Well was the Followers um, Wounded Cure record where I just... Oh, I love that one. Yeah, it's such a good record. So you said you got to sing on that one? Yeah, so oh, I sang backups on that, so, that's on so awesome. that record. Um, and then got to play shows with that, and um, and then they asked me to write a song for the compilation, which was one of their next records. 
um, which was just a compilation of all the different worship leaders. Mm-hmm. And that was a couple years later, so I had kind of worked into from just starting with just playing piano on the worship team to singing back up to starting the lead song <laughs> to becoming a worship leader. So that was kind of my first real project with Deeper Well where I um, got to be among the ranks of the of the leaders. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just they continued to, I was around and they asked me to, um, to sing on stuff. So I kept being part of projects and kind of continue to talk about doing my own. And actually through this process too, I ended up starting to work at Door of Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that put me in even closer proximity yeah. <laughs> to what was happening with Deeper Well. Um, until it finally, they had, they kind of line up the projects for several years in advance. And when they're done, they're done. So you kind of just wait, not knowing how long it's going to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I waited in line, and it was finally my turn to to put out a record. So that's kind of my little story with Deeper Well. (laughs) So did you have all of these songs sort of waiting in the wings from the beginning, or were you writing as you were waiting? No, you know, what's funny is I wasn't really writing when I was waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's five years in between Ravens and um, Light and Bloom, and I really didn't write a lot in between that time. I definitely wrote one-off songs all the time. There's probably in that five-year period of time, um, apart from the songs from Light and Bloom, I maybe written 20 songs, mm-hmm. which that maybe sounds like a lot, but I was coming from a space where I was writing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was kind of just an interesting, dry season for, for music, and, and I guess not necessarily music. I was working on other projects, but not, not my own. And so, I don't know. I don't know if it was because I knew that my record was going to be coming soon or if it just, there was kind of an end to that dry season, but it really ended up working out pretty serendipitously that I started writing a chunk of songs and they just came quickly. Mm. Um, I love that. In time. I love when that happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When they're, when you need them, they're there. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It was a really special time to just Mm. like, because I mean, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize until I started writing again, how much I kind of, actually grieved Mm. the fact that I wasn't writing. Yeah. Um, Is that kind of a therapeutic thing, writing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's really my favorite part of the music process. And I love, I mean, any day of the week, I'll do anything musical just to get my hands dirty with it. But (laughs) um, really, I think writing would be my favorite aspect um, of being a musician. When did you find out that you could write? I started writing in middle school, early in my seventh grade year, so I must have been 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and what started it was I had been playing piano classically, and I don't know how I stumbled upon it, whether I was just looking because I wanted to try and play um, music that I was listening to, and I couldn't find sheet music for it, and then <laughs> I discovered this like online library of being able to just find chords for songs that you liked uh-huh. and play them. Nice, yep. Yeah, so that was kind of that felt like a like like Christmas little like miracle. <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> like Christmas for sure. So I just became you know just obsessed with hmm. finding the chords or tabs to any song that I'd ever heard and playing it. And I think that's what kind of opened me up to the idea that like oh I can just play chords and turn it. Oh I can turn these into something. I don't have to read each hmm. note for note. Mm-hmm. What does that look like if I just start experimenting and writing and um. So yeah, that was when I kind of, it just 
shaped into songs. And I mean, from like, I just, I don't really remember the experience of writing my first song, but between sixth and, um, between whenever that was seventh and eighth grade, by eighth grade, my parents were, um, letting me go into a studio to record a full length album because I was just writing so much and I wanted to put them down. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So is that one anywhere? What, what, which uh, album is that? That is an album that exists in my personal collection. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I think probably all singer songwriters might have that something like that. <laughs> I know. And even as I say that, my stomach kind of drops because that's actually not true. Because I totally peddled that thing around my middle school, <laughs> like total like dual case. And I oh my gosh, I had this picture. It was called Through My Eyes. Uh-huh. This is not horrible. I mean, it was pretty dramatic, though. I, like, took my own picture on the front cover. And this is, like, the smartphones were not around yet. So this is, like, digital camera. You print it out type picture. Right. And I'm, like, under a blanket where you can, like, just see my eyes. It's really special. Hey, I think that is how Tom Waits got started. I think he just kind of did his own stuff and then, like, started handing it out wherever he came if across that people. that connects me to Tom Waits, I'm in. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start so somewhere. Funny. Seriously. <laughs> but it also shows that you are, I guess I could say, comfortable in your own music skin, which is really awesome. You kind of <laughs> have to be, you know, if, if you're going to get your yeah. stuff out there, because it's a very vulnerable place to be, to be a, a musician and especially a singer-songwriter, because you're putting totally. your voice out there in so many ways. I mean, you're, you're, you know, your writing voice, your singing voice, your music voice, you're just, you're putting yourself out there. So yeah. God gave that to you as a gift, that confidence. I know. <laughs> it is incredible. And it is such a monument of of God in my life because I am, that's not my personality. Hmm. I'm not an open, vulnerable person. And hmm. um, that's something that I've really worked hard on even in the last couple of years, just with deep realizations about, you know, just not being able to open up and process with people. So the fact that I've always just been like, the minute a song comes out, I want to play it for the world. (laughs) I cannot understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like to share one more song with listeners. um, Yeah. Because this is one of my favorites of yours, uh, is that song called Carry You. And I would also like to get the backstory on that one as well. It's so beautiful. So this song, um, (laughs) it makes me smile when I think about writing the song. So it's actually a really special moment. Um, my husband and I had gone on a trip to, um, it was before the school year had started for him, and mm-hmm. we ended up at a cabin out in, um, on Bashan Island. Nice. Um, I never know if I say that right. Sorry, locals. Well, I have no Bashan clue Island. either, so <laughs> it's, all, it's all good with me. <laughs> it's a little island. It's part of the San Juan Islands. Um, and so this one you get to um, from Seattle, mm-hmm. other ones that you get to through a, um, through a ferry port in Anacortes. So it's the cutest, I mean, it's such a gorgeous island, and it's it's little, and um, you overlook the sound. Um, so we mm. had spent a couple of days there. Um, my husband, I mentioned, is also a musician, but mm-hmm. um, he does not do um, as much of the heavy metal <laughs> anymore. Uh-huh. Um, he's actually a really amazing singer and, and guitar player, and he plays bass for me live. We nice. just played a show a couple weeks ago. He played guitar, so it's really nice to have him. But um, he was just messing around with um, a guitar part, and um, I don't even think he, he was trying to write a song, but he was playing this part over and over again that just was kind of 
striking me and we were over at the sound. So I was writing lyrics um, that ended up being the lyrics to cure you. And hmm. I, um, I kind of asked him if I could steal the melody to it. And he didn't even really know what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> so that was kind of how cure you started. And I mean, it was just like, it was such an easy kind of, metaphor and place to get to with all of the references to to water because we were just mm-hmm. in the most serene you know environment with just the beauty of the sound just directly in front of us so yeah mm-hmm. I just kind of was exploring water's always been since I mean when you think about the ocean or any mm-hmm. body of water it's just in you know in the bible a lot too and it's just easy to find metaphors about just walking in faith and a spiritual life and mm-hmm. um you know, waves of grace and anchor of your soul and, you know, yeah. name so many lyrics and references to, to water. So this is just kind of my take at um, being able to use water references to really describe um, just kind of a personal journey of, of walking out in faith. You're stepping out Water hits your legs and it keeps on going till it covers you And you're floating out to sea with the tide and the current And you try to stay But there's no such thing in a river yet it takes you out Till you can't see anymore The banks that you left
Anne, I just really, really wanted to say appreciate you taking the time to to open up, you know, your heart and your memories and your music, sharing it with us. It just, uh, I, I love hearing it all. Well, thank you for having me. This has been awesome, and it's really a joy to kind of dig behind um, what all those songs mean. They say a lot, but they mean a lot more, so... If you like what you heard from Holly Ann today, you can uh, actually download her latest album, Light and Bloom, on Noise Trade for free. Awesome. Who doesn't like free music? You can also keep in contact with her on her Facebook page. Thank you so much again for joining me today. If you have a moment and would like to uh, check out the rest of our artists, feel free to do that. We've got a lot of great stuff on here. Also, if you want to become part of the Sounding the Light family, you are more than welcome to click on the red subscribe button. It'll take you to iTunes and you will never miss an episode. Uh, Also, you can connect with us on Facebook. A lot of times I post new music that I'm listening to uh, and uh, other things that are going on. So if you are in the uh, area anywhere from Atlanta to Macon, you can catch me every other Friday on 90.7, 91.7 New Life FM. I'm on there between 8 and 9 in the morning uh, with host Pete Shagnon. We have a good time highlighting interviews from Sounding the Light. And a lot of times we have uh, live guests as well with live music, which always rocks. So I hope you can join us sometime. Uh, If you would like to join us, but you're not in the South Atlanta area, just go to the homepage here on Sounding the Light. And there's a little box there on the side that's got the link that will take you straight to the new live uh, FM page where you can stream it live. I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless. (laughs) 